This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And that's because we want our our clients to know and our listeners to know that what's really happening locally here, what's happening in Iowa may be different than what's (laughs) happening here in the Central Valley. I bring up Iowa because our guest today is, um, is from Iowa. And what part of Iowa? North Central. North Central. All right. So you grow a lot of corn there, right? Yes, lots of corn. All right. Our guest today is Ashley Full of Iron Key Real Estate. And um, uh, you jumped into this thing four years ago and jumped in heavy. Yep. Yep. Two feet all in, full time. (laughs) No no part-time stuff? Nope. No part-time stuff. All in. All right. And I know that because way back when, probably three years ago, you and I had a transaction together yeah. and you were very communicati- communicative. Yep. Is that how you say it? I think I, so. I didn't pay attention. <laughs> I didn't pay attention in English class, so I get things wrong a lot. It was a great escrow. <laughs> okay. That's a better way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It, and um, we've got a lot to talk about today. Um, we're going to talk about the life of a realtor okay, and, and what goes into it. And, Love it. But more importantly, what our clients need to know about the life of the realtor that they're working with. Okay, sounds good. All right, but first, I'm gonna throw out some statistics. Okay. Since you're out there working with buyers and sellers, I'm gonna throw out some numbers that I pulled up just last night Okay, and before all the rain started. <laughs> it, it, and. I want to get your take on it. And of course, as is the case with all statistics, there's a different take on them. Sure. Um, In in fact, one of the statistics I'm going to throw out is proof of how numbers can be misleading. Sure. Yep. All right. But let's lead them the right way. Okay. Hit me. All right. So here's what I, I did. I ran January and February solds. Okay. The, the number sold for the last three years, 2020, 2021, and 2022. Boy, it's hard to think that 2020 is that far back in yeah. the rearview mirror. Right, really. But January and February were kind of normal. Yep. It was March when things went upside down. Yep. So I won't be doing this next month because <laughs> it, things would be, be skewed. Different. Here's the interesting thing. In these three years where we've seen a tremendous uh, rise in prices, we've seen uh, the market go from pretty normal to red hot, white hot. And yet, in all three years, the number of solds for uh, Fresno County are all in the 1100s. In 2020, we had 1131. In 2021, it went to 1174, and then this year, 1113. Hmm. So actually, this is the—I guess you could say this is the slower year, but barely. But barely, yeah. 
What what are you seeing? Is is it still a white hot market? I think I I felt the same way, and even leading into um, December, January, and February for my sellers that I talked to last November, I kind of said the same thing. I said I really feel like this winter is going to be like last winter. It's going to be slow. It's going to be calm, a little bit more normal, a little bit more negotiations on both sides. Um, and it's not going to be as crazy competitive. And and then in that, we have to be careful where we price our listings in December because, you know, it might not be that crazy bidding war uh, in those three months until next spring. So depending on when people have to sell, you know, that might, you know, depend on them choosing to sell in December versus March, which is going to be crazy. So I would say it was, um, I did, I felt like it was more evenly keeled because uh, you had more a normalized amount of buyers versus the houses on the market. So I think that's why. Mm-hmm. Um, here's uh, in 2020, the median days on the market was 26. And keep in mind, I uh, most of my career, that number's been around 90. Right. Yeah. To 100. Right. So 26 is really, yes. really low. Yep. But next, the next year, 2021, that number dropped to seven. Wow. And now, yep. in for 2022, that seven rose 13. There was a 13% rise in 2022 wow. in days on the market. So, I mean, that sounds significant. It does sound significant. 13%. Wow. <laughs> Things really must be slowing down. <laughs> but if you get past the wording of yep. that. The number went from seven to eight, <laughs> eight days on the eight market. days, <laughs> and maybe so if not we carried the more. decimal point out far enough, we'd find out it was maybe only yeah half a percent, seventeen point yeah. seven days, or seven point seven. So, eight days on the market is the median. Yeah, that, and keep in mind wow. that there are some that take fifty days, a hundred days, still right. Well, what? What would make something take 50 days? Sure. So especially if you're, we're focusing on January and February, what take what takes 50 days is those houses that shot a little too high for that time of year. So maybe um, they were $30,000, you know, $40,000, a little bit over what those buyers were willing to pay at that time. That's going to, you know, anything that was priced, even remotely where buyers are going to pay for it, plus maybe a little over is gone in that eight day period. So if it took 50 days, and then you also, of course, have the outliers, country properties, things that take a little bit longer to maybe get the paperwork or the reports mm-hmm. in so buyers feel comfortable pulling it off market. So what you're saying is it's still possible to overprice. Yes, especially in winter months, even in a hot market. Even in a hot market, it's possible to overprice. Um, but what about the old theory? Well, you could always come down. Right. So in when our buyers have been trained to think, you know, houses fly off the market so fast, if you have a house on for 35 days, they're going to automatically think, you know, what's wrong with it? Sellers aren't going to negotiate. I can't put in a low offer. They won't even look at it. A lot of that stuff happens. Gotcha. All right. So that's days on the market. But and that also shows you that how fast things are moving. Yep. But I want to go back to, let's say, 2004. Uh, 2005, when something came on the market, wait a minute, I want to go backwards even a little bit more than that. I took a time management class in 2003. And so I managed my time. (laughs) 
I, I felt like I was getting my life in balance. And then 2004 and five come along. And if something came on the market at one o'clock in the afternoon, you had to be out there showing by two o'clock because Crazy. by five o'clock it was probably sold. Yeah. One good thing about this market, and let me see if you agree with me. Okay. I'm going to venture out there, and there's no statistics for this. <laughs> but at least now, sellers will keep it on the market for a few days. Right. So if it comes on the market at 1 o'clock today, and you show it tomorrow, and you write the offer on Monday, you're probably okay. Right. Um, that's one good thing. So maybe realtors can get their life back in balance. A little bit. And buyers have a minute, right, to think about, you know, what they want to put in or if they need to get a new pre-approval letter, like they have a minute to take a breath, I feel like, as well. In some cases, but not all, we have some showing, you know, offers as they come and then you don't feel like you have any time and you got to get out there right away. Mm -hmm. So it depends, but yeah. How do you advise your sellers? Uh, should Do you advise your sellers we should look at them all on a certain day or as offers come in? So my best strategy that I've been using already heading into this white hot spring is to list on a Thursday, take everything through the weekend so everybody has a minute and look at everything that comes in Monday night. But honestly, Monday is sometimes too fast. And, you know, we have a lot of holidays in February, too, so that kind of hurt us. But so even Tuesday gives everybody just a minute to take a look at everything, ask some questions. A lot of times there's some missing, you know, documents or boxes checked that you have to ask questions about. Um, if you rush into accepting an offer, it may not have every box checked or everything, you know, every question answered. So if we want to make sure that we get to the end and close this deal, you know, we want to see everything that's on the table and button everything up first. Mm -hmm. Let's go to price because sure. price, there were some um, significant changes. So in 2020, the median price, and this is January and February, okay. was 282000 Yeah. In 2021, that jumped to 326.5. Yep. Um, and C and I used a, a, a descriptive word, jumped. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have done that because that kind of leads leads into it. But then in 2022, it did jump. Yep. <laughs> to 390. Yeah. Yep. So, um, and, and by the way. Everybody out there that's listening saying 390, I just heard 380, I heard. It depends on what you, what time period you're doing and, and what parameters you put in. So, for example, I did Fresno County. Right. Somebody else might do Fresno, Madera County. Yep. Or Fresno, the cities of Fresno and Clovis. There, it's, yep. So Big that's difference. why you're going to hear different numbers but you're going to get the same trend. Right. Yep. And we're feeling it out there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is kind of interesting to me that, that the average square footage of a home, and okay. this is higher than I thought it would be, was 1,709. Yeah. So that takes out, if you think about the central of the city being all under that, you know what I mean? So here it is, the, the higher priced homes. Now, that makes me wonder if that helps to correlate the average sales price. If most of the houses sold are above 1,700 square feet, they're going to naturally be above $400,000, and that's what's helped raise our average sales price. Very good point. That okay, makes sense. I'm going to ponder on that this week. Yep. And see if I don't change my outlook on statistics. <laughs> okay. 
Um, interesting. Yeah, because especially in the city of Fresno, there's a lot of two-bedroom, one-bath yes. homes that are 1,000 square feet. Yes. Absolutely. There's 1,100 or less. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're taking the middle price, the median, that could significantly um, yes. affect that. Although it is important to do median on, on, on something like this because there was, well, here we go, uh, $4 million was the highest price sale in okay. January and February of this year. Okay. So that's, if you did an average, that's going to really skew it. Yes, it is. Whereas in right. 2020, the highest was, where did that go? Oh, 1.9 million. So, oh, yeah, that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, so much for the stats. When we get back <laughs> from our commercial break, we're going to be talking about the life of a realtor and why it's important for the consumer to understand that. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, where we're taking care of business today. <laughs> yes, we are. And our guest today is Ashley Full, a realtor with Iron Key Real Estate. But more importantly than that realtor thing that you are, <laughs> you're the mother of two girls. Yes. And so are Claire and Maggie listening today? I think so, yes. You hope, hope so. so. I hope so. They better be. <laughs> they they might have found something better on TV. <laughs> Maybe. So how old are Claire and Maggie? So they just had their birthdays in February. Claire is 12 and Maggie is 9. Ah. Yeah. That's a great age. It is a great age. I'm loving it. Yeah. So Claire and Maggie, hi. Hi. Um, all right. And then, of course, there's your husband. Um, Laramie. Laramie. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and I've met him before. Yes. So I know he's listening. Yes. He, 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 he better knows, be listening as well. Yeah. He knows better than to not. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he, he likes you, Don. You guys All always right. have a good time. All right, great. Um, okay, so that's part of what we're going to talk about now is how does a realtor balance things? Because it's not an eight-to-five job. Right. Uh, it's In fact, it's not even a job. It's a business. Right, it is, right. Uh, so how do you manage that? Let me thro- get, throw it on you. And- sure. <laughs> Where do I begin? So first of all, because I have a lot of friends that, of course, ask about, you know, I want to get into real estate. What's that look like? Or, you know, and of course, they see me a lot. I don't miss a lot of my kids' stuff. I'm still the same person that drops them off and picks them up almost every day. That's still me. So I think they see it a lot of times as, you know, um, not a lot of hours or, you know, I have so much flexibility and availability for my kids still that it's, um, you know, it looks great. It looks shiny, right? But but come, going into it, I knew that it was going to be a lot of, evenings and weekends and had to be okay with that first of all. Um, My husband already works uh, rotating shifts so I always tell people I think that's why it works so well for our family because we weren't a Monday through Friday nine to five family anyways. So my husband has always worked days, swings, nights, you know Sundays, uh, Friday nights, storm shifts. So we already knew what that looked like. So it was easier on us because mom could be gone on Sunday afternoon or you know what I mean or Monday night it didn't really matter and we made it work. It also works because my kids were older. So especially now they can stay home for a little bit, you know, an hour or two at a time or somebody else. We know a lot of families in town. Somebody else can pick them up. So I definitely have an army of people behind me, first of all. 
but it's um, it's the I get to take off a lot of times in the afternoon. So from two thirty to four, I'm a lot of time I'm with my kids. I we can go to Starbucks, we can have snacks, we can run to Target. I can help them with their homework, and then if mom has to go back out to show houses or have a listing appointment at night, I can do that. So I get up in the morning, I take them to work, or I take them to school, I go to work, do my paperwork, run all my comps, things like that, and then I have time for them kind of in between. So it works for us. So what I'm hearing you say, and I can relate to, is because it's not set hours, right. you can balance things out. Yes. So in that afternoon time period, you can spend time with your kids. Right. Um, and then later that night, do a little computer work, work or, yep. or phone calling. Right. Yep. It's it's a lot of work, but it can be when I want to work. You know, late at night I can run, you know, have concentrated time to run numbers and send emails and stuff. It works. It works for us. All right. So I'm not so sure I'm going to agree with you on the when you want to work because when those <laughs> clients call. That's true. <laughs> Especially in this market. <laughs> we got to go. We got to go, go, go. Exactly. Right. Yes. And, it, and it's like I was saying earlier when I took that time management class. Yep. And, you know, it talked about blocking out times for this and making this plan. And so maybe I had two o'clock to five o'clock book or blocked <laughs> right. out for something, but a new listing came out at yep. one o'clock. Hey, you had to go. <laughs> yeah, you have to go. And that's where we're, what we're looking at right now. We have to go. Even, you know, for some houses, they, you know, sit over the weekend and we can go to the open house casually and write up the offer on Sunday night or Monday morning, but not every house is like that. So for the benefit of my daughter and my son, can you tell me, have your children ever been on an appointment with you? Oh, uh, over 100 probably. All right. To my daughter and my son, see, I'm not the only one. Yep. Nope. My girls lived in our Yukon with me the summer of 2020. <laughs> we just all went together everywhere. Yep. Yeah. And they learned people skills, right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Everybody, you know, loves the kids. Everything they say is funny. You know what I mean? Like they learned a lot and, you know, they're very social. So they were good. All right. Good. Um, my son claims that he learned how to play his, uh, his, uh, electronic games. Oh, sure. While waiting yep. for me to show a house. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. We have a little, one of those pull down TVs in the Yukon that got a lot of use that summer. <laughs> All right. So, um, how did, for the ben once again, for the benefit of our li listeners out there sure. that are clients, consumers, what what are reasonable boundaries or expectations on a realtor? Sure. So I feel like it's you. I feel like that's part of that. If your realtor and you mesh well together, so because the schedule is going to be a big difference, right? Um, it's it's giving them time to respond. I've learned that um, I need to find out you know, if they call me at a time that I am not available or something. I will finish what I'm doing and get their answer and then call them back. So I feel like what's reasonable is just reaching out, um, letting them know what you're reaching out for, and then giving them time to find that answer and call you back. For me personally, my clients usually know I'm up pretty early, but they know it's hard for me to respond while I'm getting my kids ready for school. But then as soon as 8.30 hits and I'm, I'm all theirs for phone calls and emails until you know that afternoon hours, and usually I have all of our appointments and everything booked for that same day later, you know, early in the morning for the same day. So by 10 o'clock every morning, my clients know what we're doing that evening. So it's not so last minute for everybody involved. So how do you handle this? Here, you're, Let's say you're at your office, you're 
you need about an hour, let's say, to do comps okay. on a particular home. Okay. Um, so you need that computer time mm -hmm. for about an hour. But halfway through it, you get a phone call asking about something else. Sure. How do you juggle all that? So as a new agent, I was really bad at that. I'm going to be honest with you. I was pulled in a million different directions. And now as a seasoned agent and I have a team member, who, so another person that might need me throughout the day a lot, um, I've learned I have, to, I have to focus that time, especially with comps because I, you probably are the same way. I have to dive into it. So you know, emotionally, you're looking at the, this kitchen versus that kitchen, how far it is, how close to the busy road it is. Like you're, you're in the situation. If you pull yourself out of that, you lose that. Because for me, when I'm running comparable properties, my gut kind of swings up and down on price as I go through the, the comps, more information. So if you pull yourself out of that, you lose that gut feeling of, what am I going to list it for? Am I up here or am I down here? So for, for comps especially, you have to take that focus time. And I've learned in my schedule and discipline that not much pulls me away from what I'm doing. And if a client calls, then I will, again, get their answer or know what they're calling for and then call them back with value instead of just calling them back to call them back. You know, and that's a good point. As a realtor is reviewing comparable sales and seeing what would be that right price to put yep. it at. It, it's not like you just press a button no. and boom, there it is. No, uh, it, it's a feeling. As you look at each property, and I love how you put it, you compare the kitchens, how close it is to a busy street, it, things like that, and you weigh it, adjust it. Um, yeah, if you get broken away halfway yeah. through, you may not end up with that accurate accurate price. I did that this morning. I woke up at 630 this morning because I had a listing appointment yesterday. It was an acreage. So there's a ton of things to consider acreage properties. It's very hard to compare with the house next door. Everything's very different. So I got up this morning before the kids were up, before the dogs were up, before the husband was up because I wanted an hour to myself to compare their property because I saw it yesterday. It was fresh in my mind to all the sold acreages nearby and write up an entire listing appointment rundown email with suggested pricing and their seller net sheet and everything for them. Really focused, you know, and because, you know, solar, well, septic, animals, pool, uh, everything was to be considered. So it's focus time for sure. Our, uh, focus is a big thing. Yeah. Um, I on the wall of my office i even have this picture uh, about focus yep. um so it's important yeah and then of course my favorite movie of all time no not the favorite one of the favorites <laughs> was the karate kid mm. yeah where Mes mr miyagi told daniel yep ah focus ah, focus but it yes. was a one word sentence focus period. Love it. <laughs> My kids love that movie too. They don't love all the older movies, but they do love the Karate Kid. Oh yeah. Yep. A lot to learn from it. Good stuff. Um, earlier this year or well in 2021, I got to see my old assistant who worked with me 14 years ago. And uh, she now lives in Louisiana, but she went back into her office and brought out a file with all the quotes that I gave her oh from the Karate Kid oh. <laughs> and Lion King and The Godfather. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's, that's quite the spread of movies. <laughs> yeah, but they, they were all movies you could learn from. Yeah, love um, it. Oftentimes, I tell my clients when they're, they may be getting upset, let's say about a request for repair. Yeah, okay. Uh, and they, you can see them starting the blood boiling. Sure. And you have to remind them. 
as Vito Corleone said, this is business, not don't take it personal. <laughs> I love it. I thought you were going to whip out a Lion King reference there for a minute. Nice. Godfather. I like it. Yeah. Well, I could. The request for repair is all part of the circle of life. I'll help you up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that one will fly. <laughs> <laughs> it is, though. That's part of it. So communication with your client is important from what I'm hearing you yep. say, that you, how you talk to them so that because somehow or another, they happen to know that you get up early. Right. Yeah. Yes. So, and I, I'm very careful with who, what clients I share that with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, they'll, they usually know, but when I start responding to emails and things early in the morning, then they catch on and then they're like, oh, she's up early. So, right. yeah. Yeah. And, and I love it for all the clients listening out there sure. or all the consumers you got to love it when there there's that mutual respect for yes. time. Yep. Um, maybe they know that you have kids so they don't call you after yep. eight, eight o'clock right. at night. So. Yep. Or dinner time. I feel like it's hard to, I'm always cognizant of when my clients have little kids too. Perfect example on the way over here this morning, I called a client, they have a little son. So I knew they were probably up early, even though it's Saturday where I probably wouldn't call some other clients at seven forty-five on a Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. So it is, it's about, it's, it's about learning each other too. With my clients, because I am a busy mom, they learn a lot about me. I share a lot about, you know, um, just who I am and where I come from on the value that I bring to them. So I think they, we very quickly understand each other's schedule and, and time. As far as schedule goes, before we go to commercial break, I want to tell about good communication. Last night in our emails between one another, <laughs> uh, you said, I'll see you at 9. <laughs> I emailed back and said, uh, you better get there a little earlier than 9 o'clock. And then you came back, and I still don't know if you were joking, but you said, I thought it started at 9.40 a.m. <laughs> All right, with that one, we're going to our next commercial break. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Welcome home radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we are here in the studio with Ashley Fool of Iron Key Real Estate and a full-time mom, wife, and realtor. Yep. And uh, but also a volunteer. Right. So volunteering seems to be really, really big in the realtor community. Definitely. Because I think you have to have a servant's heart. Yep. To, 100%. to be successful yes. in this business, not job, but in this business. Right. Let's talk about what it takes as a realtor to be of service and of value to your clients. And yeah. uh, I think we can go back to scouts. <laughs> yes, we can. Go back to our roots. All right. So, and the reason I say scouts is Ashley is very involved in Girl Scouts. Yep. Um, are you still in it or are you yes. one of the moms? So I am our troop leader. So we started the troop five years ago. So yeah, I'm the troop leader. And actually, I just started volunteering. I'm on the uh, board development committee with our Girl Scout Council in, in town and also our fundraising committee. So when I heard that about Ashley and that you were going to be on the show and that you were heavily involved in the Girl Scouts, what a what made what piqued my interest in that is on the wall of my office once again you you might think that i have a lot of things <laughs> it on the wall sounds like it I, it sounds like it but i really don't but <laughs> here's the key i i don't have 
one plaque, one picture, hmm. I, because we just moved four years ago. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> a, such a short time. Yeah, and I haven't had time except for the pieces of paper that I could put up there with tape. Okay. <laughs> so what I have up there is the Boy Scout Oath and, and the Scout Law. Because I want to remind myself sure. that a scout is trust, a realtor is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. Bingo. That, that does talk about us well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if a real, if a realtor is not that, right. I don't see how they can be successful. No, I don't either. Not with happy clients. Mm-hmm. So, in in um. And by the way, happy clients is the key to success. Yes, it is. It's uh, a focus. Yeah. So what? how does the Scout experience help you in your business? Sure. So it's connected me. First and foremost, my husband and I are not from here. So we moved here seven years ago um, from, I, you know, not well from Arizona, but we're from Iowa originally. So I didn't, I didn't have a community behind me. A lot of people here know everybody. They're deep-rooted in Fresno area, family, all sorts of things. We went to high school with a lot of people. So I didn't have that community behind me. Girl Scouts was probably my first real way to get connected in the community, find, you know, get to really know the other parents and kids in, town, um, in our school. I was also a substitute teacher at the time, so I really got to know the kids very well. Um, so that was kind of neat. But it was my first sense of community. And then it also connected me with our Girl Scout Council in town, which is just another group of other people with that servant heart. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't tell you this before, but I was an assistant scout leader nice. for, uh, for my son's uh, Boy Scout troop. Okay. Yeah, that's intense. This could be in a scout leader for Boy Scouts. That's super intense. Uh, especially with those guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I bet. Um, but also... When my son was in Cub Scouts, little known fact about Welcome Home Radio, but I think if my son was not in Cub Scouts at the time that he was, that we may not even have Welcome Home Radio. Oh, wow. Because the owner of the station, John Oslin, his son was in Scouts with uh -huh. my son. So we knew one another from that. Yep. And Makes then sense. fast forward many, many years later, um, John's curiosity about the market and he because he knew me he would ask me questions sure. and at some point he said you need to do a real estate show talk show on local real estate nice smart yeah. man right so if it wasn't for cub scouts <laughs> we may not be here so yep. four, 14 years of every saturday wow. from nine to ten i can blame it on my son's <laughs> yeah. voice on cub scouts. nice all right so the rest of the scout oath, I love this, is on my honor. And honor is a big thing yep, in what we do. Yep. I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country and to obey the scout law, to help other people at all times, to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. Nice. That's very close to the Girl Scout one. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so you got to give it to the scouts for setting a foundation for what it takes to be successful in right. a business. And they have a really proven, I just sat on a training for the um, one of my committees the other day. Um, most, so every woman that's been in space was a Girl Scout. Every Secretary of State uh, nationally has been a Girl Scout. We just, our reputation for, you know, creating leaders and supporting leaders and being part of their experience is second to none. We're the largest um, woman entre entre entrepreneurship program in the world. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I have not heard that before, but it's totally believable. Yep. Yeah. Um, Love it. A, as a kid, you know, it just sets that foundation and um, how to get along with others. Um, it makes them very well-rounded. We're teaching them all the skills that they're not learning in school, you know. Um, it's even like I just was, t- I'm in for this year, I have four older girls that I'm kind of in charge of. I do have three other amazing troop leaders that do this with me. I definitely want to give them a shout out because we have 26 girls this year. Um, we've had up to 36. So, but I have the older girls this year and we're learning things like netiquette, which is uh, etiquette on the internet, protecting them from, you know, they're 12 years old. So they're headed into kind of that vital time where you learn how to use the internet. You might step into some things while you're learning along the way. We're learning about um, babysitting skills, CPR, you know, making your own food, um, being organized. The girls under them learned about laundry and about uh, helping your parents with chores and uh, managing your time and the beginning parts of budgeting and entrepreneurship, all the things that, you know, other than math and science and English. Yeah, well, that's what school's for. Exactly, right. But this is good. What'd you call it, netiquette? Netiquette is what it's called. Oh. I could see where that would be important. Very important. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I obviously missed my netiquette class uh, <laughs> when I was a kid. Oh, that's because we that's didn't have That's because there was the no internet. net. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I'm technologically challenged. <laughs> yeah, yeah, these kids are probably already know more than us <laughs> on yeah. the internet. Yeah. <laughs> they could me. probably teach you, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. My nine-year-old is teaching me more about YouTube and stuff than, than I know. Definitely. All right. So um, th- this is really interesting, that, that tie-in between what you learn as a kid in Scouts and what it takes to run a successful business. Totally. And, and I'm going to say it doesn't just stop with realtors. Um, right. I was at a restaurant the other night, and amazing how the restaurant owner would go around to each table and make everybody feel like family. That's amazing. Yep. Yeah. That's why they're going to do well. Yeah. It was a local yep. local restaurant, not not one of the big chains. Sure. And um, that might be what sets them apart. Yeah. When we were boothing outside of one of the grocery stores, because it's cookie season right now, one of the managers came out to, uh, to the girls that were working, and he said, when you turn 16, you come and get a job for me. He's like a Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts are the best, you know, best employees I've had. Mm-hmm. So makes a difference. Interesting. So, are, how long does the Girl Scout cookie sales go on? Uh, it just goes through the end. They're actually extending a little bit, but mostly to the end of March. We're almost done. So it starts always starts like uh, the weekend before or Super Bowl weekend. So we kind of hit it hard in February, and we're kind of winding down right now. But we've okay. sold eleven thousand boxes of cookies already as a troop. As a troop? Yes, as a troop. That's a lot of... That's it, a lot of cookies. Our, our doors, I, my, I keep the cupboard for part of it, and then another troop leader has the cupboard of cookies at her house, and we had, you know, for $50,000 coming in and out. It's a busy time. Interesting you say 11000 because in all of our multiple listing service for the year 2021, we sold over 11,000 houses. <laughs> there and you go. you sold boxes of cookies. In less than a month. Yeah. 26, 26, fam- 26 girls, about 20 families. However, we had a higher gross volume. Yes, definitely. <laughs> you guys beat us on that for sure. We yeah. do get, you know, we do get about a dollar a box. So <laughs> that's good for one month. All right. 
And the best part is I'm sure you don't have to pay taxes on that dollar you make. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know if we don't. Somebody else does or we don't. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much. And uh, we're going to go to another commercial break. But when we get back, we got more of this. Thank you. Won't take nothing but a memory from the house that Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, and I'm here with Ashley Full, uh, realtor with Iron Key Real Estate, and uh, here locally in the Fresno Clovis area. Fresno, I'll say Fresno, yep. sure. Madera County. How's that? Perfect. All right. Um, I have some questions for you. Sure. What What do you want buyers to know? Like if you had, let's say you happen to be on the radio one day with thousands of listeners out there (laughs) and you had an opportunity to say something to them, whether it be to encourage them, calm them down, whatever, what would you tell a buyer? Sure. I think um, it's easy to be intimidated right now by listening to the news and all the fast and sensationalized uh, statistics out there. So I would suggest, you know, partnering up with a realtor, getting some real information or finding that person that could be your, your confidant, your, your resource and your value for direct information on what we're seeing. If you have a team fighting behind you, we can definitely get you into a house this year, see what you're pre-qualified for, take every house individually, you know, and fight for you. So let me give an example of what you were just talking about. Sure. So you read a news story that sales or home sales are slowing down. They're, uh, they're going 13% slower than last year. Okay. Okay. That sounds like, oh, wow, that's significant. Then you talk to your trusted local realtor and say, right. yeah, that 13% went from seven days to eight days. Right. So, <laughs> so not a big difference in the life of a buyer. Right, right. Um, all right. So you, 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 what you're saying is you don't want the buyers to be intimidated by what they're hearing. Right. I think you're, it's just like any other fear. Knowledge is what's going to beat that. Right. So you're going to know the market. You're going to know the neighborhood. You're going to talk to, you're going to have that professional behind you. I think the most frustrated buyers are out there. They're trying to do everything themselves right now. Go see houses on the weekends, drive by houses, you know, and then the next time they turn around, the house is already pending. I think you need that, you know, that support and that direct resource and value behind you. I like what you just said. Too many buyers are trying to do it all on their own. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you don't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a gas station. We yeah. are a full service that's industry. Right. That's right. Yeah, we that's what we do all day long. We look at the numbers, we know the houses, we know the neighborhoods, we we have all those answers for you. We can help out. Mm-hmm. Um I I know I, I had a buyer a few years ago that just was so gung-ho so really wanted to get into this she was doing everything sure and i finally had to talk to her because we weren't getting anywhere um you know she'd find stuff online and say oh right i, I want to go do see this go and, and here it was pending already right. so i had to slow her down and say let me do the job let yes. me do what i do yep let me and uh, i requested that she turn off of the notifications she's getting <laughs> let me do the job yeah we found a great one yeah yep i know sometimes you're behind if you're if you're watching houses um online you know from those sources they're you're they're gonna the information is going to be behind what we're going to give you 
And then also, too, um, there's a lot of different reasons that your realtor might send you different houses, right? You've, you've shared with them you really wanted a pool or really didn't, you know, wanted this school or not this area. Sometimes when you get absorbed with looking at all the houses online, you pick houses that don't really fit. You know what I mean? In this market, because everything is going kind of fast, especially the closer we get to spring and summer, you kind of have to narrow it down to the houses that fit as most boxes as you can, especially if, if you're going to pay the prices that we've seen increased right now. They need to check as many boxes you know, as you can to protect your investment. Mm-hmm. Well, Ashley, what do you want sellers to know? Sure. I want, I want you to know that there's a, a process that's involved in making this easy for everybody. We have a little bit of a higher cancellation rate than we've had in the past few years. If we jump into a buyer and escrow too fast, if we haven't checked all the boxes, if we haven't asked them if we can rent back for 29 days after, afterwards, or if we haven't asked them if they're getting their money from the sale of another house, if, those, if that cash is really available to them within the set amount of time. We need to slow down, ask all the right questions, and make sure that you know we get everything dialed in so we can get you closed and moved on to that next house. Here's something I'd like all the sellers to know too: is you're hearing that we're in a seller's market, right? And that is true. However, right. you still have to be in the seller's market. If right. you go beyond it, if yes. the home is really still worth market value four hundred thousand, right. and you price it at five hundred thousand, right? you are no longer, you're now in a buyer's market. Right. Because buyers are yes. going to get to. And uh, if you sit on the market for 25 days or more, then you've you've put yourself in a buyer's market. You're giving the buyers a little bit more control. It's definitely important to land close to mark, you know, the current market value, the desirability of your home. What, what else I'm to, excuse me, <coughs> I'm telling my sellers is, this, um, the appraisal gap that we're seeing is very, um, it looks great, it sounds great, and every, all the sellers want it. Well, that only works if you price it to where there is a little bit of room to go up. If you're already $100,000 overpriced, there is no appraisal gap, you know what I mean? Because you're offering, you know, you're saying your house is going to go at this price. Buyers are less willing to give you an appraisal gap under the, the offered sales price. So it's really very a science and um, to figure out where you need to list, but where it's still competitive can, can go up a little bit. And you keep you know, your buyers um, excited and grateful for the opportunity and not shooting too high. All right. So as long as the sellers stay in the seller's market, it is their market. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Or if you're asking top dollar, but you haven't delivered a reit if you're asking for retail price but you're not giving a retail product right maybe it's a wholesale product yes compared to property needs to be right painted cleaned up right yeah yes if they've got some other issues going on yes i agree if you want that retail price you got to offer a move-in ready clean even doesn't even have to be perfectly updated but it needs to be very move-in clean easy not a lot of repairs things like that so what's your advice to somebody who bought, let's say, a year ago, two years ago? They're in their home, no intention of buying or selling sure. now. They bought the mm-hmm. right one. They yeah. used a realtor and they, they, they thought it through and they're in the right place. What's your best advice to someone who's going to keep their home? Sure. Especially for those that, uh, from a year ago, you probably got a good interest rate. So there's really not that much need to refinance. You know, we don't want to capitalize on every penny that's out there to protect yourself from your investment. If the if the market goes up and down a little bit, you want to have that leeway. So I wouldn't suggest maxing out your price, especially you might get a little um, higher interest rate right now than last year. So really take a look at that, you know, and if you got 
if you got a move-in ready house and maybe you're you know i would suggest saving that cash for any updates rather than pulling it out be really careful about that but if it was if you bought the outdated home and you got the low interest rate and you can still get that maybe you know pulling some out if that makes sense for your equity and you're updating the home that might make sense as well Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna also suggest if you're keeping your home stay in touch with your realtor yes I mean, you, you may want to know, hey, who's a good plumber? Yes. Who's a good right. electrician? Um, your realtor is, is a good source for that kind of information. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. What, um, how can you counsel a buyer who's getting frustrated in the, in the market right now? Sure. Yeah, there comes a point where, and we're going to see that this spring, where we might have to take, you know, maybe we're looking too much. That's what I felt with, you know, a couple of recent buyers too. It, it's not sustainable to look Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then all weekend, you know what I mean? And slap a lot of offers around everywhere. I might hit a point where we say, okay, let's, it seems to me like most everything's going listing at the end of the week, but we have until Monday and Tuesday. Let's just compile our stuff for Saturday. Well, you know, so it's not taking over your life, you know? Not even about us, but about the client. It can't be your whole focus. Same thing about the notifications. Pull back the notifications. I'll just compile everything for you on Thursday night. We'll take a look on at, in a chunk on Saturday so it's not taking over your life. And we're, we're dialing in, being a little bit more specific. At this point, if we're frustrated, we've looked at enough houses to know exactly I know what you like and don't like truly, whether, whether they know it or not. I've picked up on what area they like better, what the husband likes versus the wife backyards pool how important is the pool and the school to them so i have at this point a very very good idea of what houses they're going to like so we can narrow it down a little bit more so i think that's a big part of it is look at look at the houses that really fit what you're looking for and maybe not all the time to relieve frustration what do you tell a buyer who is is looking and looking and then you make an offer so and and you know, it's going to be a day or two until you hear. Sure. But they keep looking. Sure. Hey, what about this house? What right. about that one? But yet they have an offer in. What right. do you tell them? So honestly, right now we got to kind of do that, depending on what kind of offer they're putting in. You know what I mean? If if they've put all their eggs in and, the, you know, the most purchase price they can and they've really put in a strong offer or if it's a house where we know that we might only be the same offer, maybe we can wait those couple days. But right now it's it's kind of one of those where I've seen a lot of disappointment. So we do kind of, I, I do suggest people keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, if we do happen to get something accepted, then we can pull back. We do have to be honest with everybody about putting, you know, feelers out other places. But we're definitely looking at more than one house at a time. So once their offer's accepted, they're in escrow. Yes, exactly. Then, then we kind of got to let looking. everybody know. Yes, then we can stop looking. Exactly. And good communication is the key, honestly. It really is. Yeah. And as a marriage consultant, I would also say (laughs) once you propose and it's accepted, quit looking. Yes. Then then (laughs) I and I would agree. And also, even though we're um, it's a busy market, if you're going to put in an offer, love the home and be ready to get an escrow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Ashley Full, I want to thank you very much for coming in here today and helping us out and um, informing our our listeners out there. Any one last bit of advice you want to give them? 30 seconds or less. Okay. Thanks so much for having me on, Don. I appreciate it. Just use your resources. Use your realtor. We're here for you. All right. Excellent advice. All right. Thank you to all our listeners. Hope you enjoyed today's show. And we'll be back again next week. We're going to be talking about short-term rentals. Nice. Hot topic. Tune in. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.